0: Ball player, ball player, no watching from the side Said that you got him next, well go ahead and show him why No limits in the sky, go ahead and take your shot This one is for the city Let's What's up everybody, welcome back to another episode of Up Next The podcast where we tell you who's up next in youth sports uh, We also talk to some of the, the big players in youth sports And talk to uh, legends in the game um, who have done big things, and we have one of those people on with us today. Uh, but first, of course, I'm Jamal Murphy, and I got my
1: co-host Khalid Green in the house. What's up, man? I'm good, man. Peace, everyone, man. Just happy to be here with the, with my OG, you know, Coach Lato. Brought him up tonight. Very happy that he's here.
0: No yeah. doubt about it. Uh, Dave Lato, of course, longtime college basketball coach, has been a head coach at Northeastern, DePaul, Virginia, and most recently, back at DePaul again, uh, he had NCAA tournament appearances with DePaul in Virginia. Uh, a fun fact is he was the first coach of African descent to coach any varsity sport at the University of Virginia. Uh, so that's a, that's a wow. Uh, Dave, thanks for joining us. Really
2: appreciate it. Oh, my, Jamal, my pleasure. It's great to see you guys. I listen a lot. And so I'm a big fan of your, of your podcast. Thank you.
0: Appreciate it. Appreciate it. So we, we always, whenever we talk to um, – a lot of times we'll talk to uh, the youth out there who's, who, who are, who's playing basketball, and we always ask them, uh, you know, when they first picked up a basketball, when they first fell in with the game. I, I want to ask you that. Uh, you know, I know, you're a longtime coach. I know you played uh, Division I. When, when did you first – do you first pick up a basketball and first, you know, get a love for the game?
2: Yeah, boy, we're going back a few years now. <laughs> <laughs> Don't let the gray hair fool you, but you know, I, I I do remember specifically. I had a I had a neighbor of mine who who um, his mom and dad became you know surrogate parents to me, and uh, to this day, you know, their son is is my best friend in the world, and um, I'm going to say if I would put a date on it, it was probably a year. Uh, a, probably 1971 or 72, I was 11, 12 years old. Um, and his dad had brought me to one of those pickup gyms, you know, we'd go bring the community kids around and teach them basketball skills. And, and uh, all the kids were there when I walked in, it was at, at a junior high school and uh, it was Keith Junior High, I remember like it was yesterday. And they all playing the gym shorts and t-shirts and running around and I walked in in some jeans. <laughs> and like a flannel shirt. I knew nothing about basketball at 11, 12 years old, and it was at that time that he, my, it was my godfather, uh, took me by the hand and started to kind of, you know, teach me the game and get me interested in it. Because uh, I, I grew up with in a, in a household with all, all older sisters, and two of them played basketball, but I wasn't, I wasn't connected in my community uh, with basketball. So he's the one that introduced me to that that day, and, and uh, the rest you know was was my journey from there wow so on the on the coaching end how did
0: that well first let me let me ask because you said you said eleven and twelve mm-hmm. um and then it seems like each generation the the age people start is lower and lower to now it's like you know people are training kids at like three or four <laughs> yeah. do, do you th- you think that's a good thing or what's what's your opinion on in no, terms of like how early you need to start
2: yeah you know what um Again, I, I'll, I'll take an old school approach, and I think we play all sports, you know, for a lot of different reasons. And I think the purity of learning the different games and with different friends and different rules and different times of the year is really good. You know, there's so much pressure, if you want to call it that, today to create an athlete, whether it's basketball, football, or otherwise. And so right. you start early and you concentrate on one sport. And I get it, I understand it, uh, but I think you know, from my vantage point, it, the, the takeaway is you don't learn as much about life and relationships and friendships, which I think in your community was what sports was all about. You know, right. it wasn't about producing a division one player or an NBA player. It was about, you know, creating those relationships and, and you know, building and understanding the parameters of who you are as an individual and working through issues. And so for me, that that's how I, I grew up and that's what I believe in. And you know, basketball became the the avenue because my I'm six, seven and my both my parents were five seven. And wow. I come a community of small people. <laughs> <laughs> so it was, you know, whether I wanted to or not, it was get on the basketball floor. Right, right. <laughs>
1: We might have some family members. (laughs) I'm just thinking five, seven is my territory. I don't know where you came from, Coach.
2: (laughs) You know, I think that my milkman was six, eight. So that's (laughs) Uh,
0: funny. So your coaching career started what? Right after, right after college uh, with, with Jim Calhoun.
2: Yeah, just about. So I went to Northeastern University, which is a five-year cooperative education uh, university. And so, you know, you have to go five, unless you really choose not to. But I I chose to go through a co-op program. And so I had to go a fifth year when I finished playing. That was a critical year because we had went to the NCAA tournament my junior and senior year. And so there was something to basketball that we had done that was unique. Some of my teammates went, you know, played One of them played in the NBA, two of them played in the NBA, and a couple of them went overseas, so that was on my mind, but I had my mom in my ear about graduation, and so I stayed that fifth year and said, well, maybe I'll play the next year. Uh, Once I graduated, I moved to California, and it kind of, you know, the the springboard of my career started in 1983 when I graduated and went to California because between 83 and 84, uh, I went, I tried to get... You know normal day jobs. You know I wanted to be this, I wanted to be that, and it was a, it was the most humbling experience in my life. Here I, you know, I was an athlete. I played college basketball. You know, my last game was a triple overtime loss to Villanova. So you think you know you think you're thinking pretty good about yourself, and then next thing you know, you're in a in a, a line looking for a job. <laughs> wow. I was working second shift. I was you know cleaning office buildings. So uh, I did that for a year, and I remember again. I remember most points in my life that are important. I told you about basketball. Uh, Coach home, called me one day, I was getting ready for my four to midnight shift, and he wanted to see how I was doing, and he asked me what I was up to and if I would be interested in coaching. i be honest with you guys, I hadn't really thought of it up until that point, but he, I guess he saw something in me as a player and as a as a young man that, that you know, stood with him, and one of the assistants there at the time was a big mentor of mine, and so he recommended me as well, and you know, about a month after that phone call, I was back in Boston and, and uh, starting a journey, which was uh, June 15th, 1984. That that was the first day I, I became a college basketball coach. And the rest is history. Somewhat. A lot of, <laughs> <laughs> a lot of high lows, ups, downs, and your know, forks in the roads, those kind of things as well.
1: But you were instrumental in helping build that, that UConn that UConn dynasty, so to say, um, you know, UConn was fresh in the Big East and mm-hmm. the other teams, you know, were already known and Yukon had to establish their reputation. And, yeah. you know, a lot of that is because of your recruitment, correct?
2: Well, you know, I don't, I don't like to use the word I or your or me. It was, it was a we thing. Right. So, um, You know, we, we went, Coach Calhoun and I went to Yukon in 1986. And as you say, Khalid. You know, Biggie started '79, and it was about Georgetown, Syracuse, St. Johnsville, Nova, everybody else except UConn, and and to a degree Boston College and a little bit of Seton Hall. Th- those three were at the bottom of the league, um, and then that journey started in '86 with just work. I mean, grinding work. You know, I, I, as much as Coach Calhoun uh, and his brilliance as a as a coach a recruiter and and you know, national championship Hall of Famer. Um, Howie Dickerman as an assistant at the time taught me, anyway, how to go about the business of recruiting, um, you know, all the nuances that you needed to know, you know, going through New York, New Jersey, Philly, which was, you know, I'd I, I say to people it was probably from 86 to about 92, 93, before I could even uh, get return phone calls from everybody in New York City, mm-hmm. because it was, you know, you, Tallentine and everybody else. And, you know, you were going to Syracuse it would be really good. If not, you are going to St. John's and, you know, down from there. Right. Uh, so it was just learning the on-the-job training as a young guy in my mid-20s to try to figure out how to crack the egg. And I think, you know, what happened is we were able to do some things on the court uh, that allowed recruiting and players and, and coaches to see, you know, open up their eyes just a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then we changed our tactic to say, if we can't go up and down 95, we still got to be really good. We right. started to broaden our, our scope around the country. And, and that brought us back to the East, which, you know, UConn thrives in right now. Right.
0: So you're in Atlanta now. So what what do you what what are you doing now?
2: Yeah. So uh, after 38 years of being a, a college basketball coach, I left DePaul in the spring in, in March. And my original plan was to, you know, put my feet up after 38 years. I felt like I needed to you know, exhale and maybe, I don't know if retirement was the word, but, you know, chill maybe and, and do some other things. Um, and and uh, I told my wife, let's uh, let's go back to Virginia where I, I keep a, a permanent house and, you know, relax for a while and then see what, what God has in store for us. And it's typically what has happened in my life. As soon as I said that, the <laughs> you know, phone started ringing. I got, you know, a couple of calls from people who maybe possibly do this, possibly do that. But it was the one phone call from Kevin Ollie who You know we've known each other since he was 17 at Crenshaw High South Central and so he asked me if I wanted to join him at at Overtime and Overtime Elite it's a new basketball league that has just started and you know the company's based in in New York City uh and at first I was like you know I'm a little bit worn out I'm a little bit spent I don't don't know and as great a person as he is he said you know I'm giving you this opportunity take your time I want you you I need somebody by my side uh, when I do this. And so I was driving back to Chicago from Virginia and, you know, like an epiphany, you know, I, I think God spoke to me. It's like, you know, why not? You know, this is your guy. Uh, it's a new opportunity. I love new opportunities. I'm a risk taker by nature. And so, you know, I said yes to him that day. And uh, we've been joined at the hip and creating something from a basketball perspective that uh, I think now that I'm in the middle of it is is going to be you know, changing, just like 15, 20 years ago, no one talked about going to prep school uh, for for young guys and and, and young ladies. Uh, They're not talking about because they don't know what overtime elite is. And and we have an opportunity to shape that and change that in the mindset of people around the the country and around the world as well.
1: And and what exactly is it? Like, what is it? It's a league with younger
2: athletes, um, some high school Yeah, so so the brief explanation is that the two two, uh, co-owners, Zach and Dan, wanted to start a basketball league that was an alternative to everybody's complaint about what was wrong with the current system that we have right now. So uh, it raised a lot of money, somewhere in the neighborhood of $100 million to start a basketball league, so to speak. And and by league, it has a different definition, but uh, try to get the best you know youth players that you can get you know somewhere between 16 and 18 years old rising juniors rising seniors uh bring them to this facility in atlanta uh forego the rest of your you know normal high school career and college come to this environment where we can provide you with what it takes to be a professional and that encompasses everything academics kind of get you your your high school diploma put money aside if you want to go to college uh, financial literacy, for, so you know for, for people in our community is, a, is a, a red flag on how to blow everything that you can ever make, uh, uh, social media, how to handle it, how to, how to speak publicly, all the things that you need uh, off the court to become a professional, and then hire Kevin Ollie and a staff that could teach you the things that maybe are restricted in both high school and college on the court. Uh, and so in doing so, you know, create 24 players initially. Um, and, and right now we're, put, we're about to start practice next week. We've been working them out for a while. Uh, create three teams of eight, have them play three different formats, one against each other. So the three teams on, on a given weekend will play against each other. Uh, the other third of the schedule will be against prep schools from around the country, mm-hmm. either going to them or have them coming to Atlanta to play against us. And then the the last third will be overseas, playing against junior Real Madrid, for instance, and uh, club teams like that. So to kind of put together a 35-game, 40-game schedule uh, over the course of the winter and spring and get these guys ready uh, for for hopefully the NBA experience. Wow. That's 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 an amazing
1: type of experience for kids that, you know, uh, it seems like it's going to really open up their eyes to things that they wouldn't normally get in a high school setting, especially mm-hmm. when you mentioned the financial literacy, social media. These are things that, you know, like you said, Coach, our kids are usually getting caught up in in that spider web. So for you guys to be teaching that is, you know, kudos to those to the owners and, you know, their vision for this.
2: Yeah, they they've put a lot of time, effort and money into this. You know, about two weeks from now, we'll move into our permanent building, uh, which is about a mile from here. It's a beautiful $20 million facility that has all the bells and whistles from a practice courts to a show court where we'll play on, uh, you know, you eat in there, you go to school in there, you train in there, it's got barbershop in there, it's got everything that the guys will need wow. to, to make their life not necessarily easy, but productive. Uh, and we, we've hired probably in the neighborhood of 70 people to surround these 24 young guys with the best in the business. And everybody, because there's no history, is coming from somewhere. So they've left a really good situation uh, to come to overtime or OTE and and be productive. You know, they've, they've changed careers. You know how that can be. You know, you make right. a career move is not easy. Uh, and, and so we've got some really, really dynamic people in all phases of these, of these young guys' lives. And I think it's created a buzz and the excitement in Atlanta. And as this thing rolls itself out to the country, it'll, it'll do that as well. O- Overtime as a company has 50 million followers. Right. Uh, so that content that we can produce uh, for these young guys is, is going to be you know, tremendous for their brand and also, you know, obviously for their playing future. Absolutely, yeah. And you, and you guys
0: have signed, you know, a few, uh, a few big time high school prospects, you know, nationally, ranked, you know, five stars, four stars, and the like. You being a lifelong college college basketball coach, you have a unique experience and 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 point of view about uh, you must have that about what's important for uh, a young athlete uh, and the pros and cons of going to college or the pros and cons of of foregoing college mm-hmm. you know how how do you go from you know college coach where you're recruiting them that way to to kind of go in the other route where you're you're trying to convince them to that that there's another route that might be more appropriate for them
2: yeah, it's a great question. And, and, and the, the, the word you might have been looking for that I would use is perspective. You know, my mm-hmm. perspective from being in college so long is, is one where, you know, you, you see a kid who has a great amount of potential. Uh, you, you give him a college experience where he can live out his dreams. He can also get a college degree uh, and then he can hopefully become a productive member member of society once, once the ball stops bouncing. That's the norm as we know it. Right. Uh, you know, the NBA is always the goal. We all know the numbers and all those kind of things. but So that's 38 years of doing this, what I knew, I believed in. And it's good and bad to it. Uh, what we've realized over the last 10 years or whatever the, the amount of time is, it's that's not for everybody. You know, we have this conversation about the one and done. And is that, you know, relevant for guys that don't need to go to college? Uh, we used to have it when LeBron and, you know, uh, Kevin, uh, uh, the Kevin Garnett and guys like that went right out. Jermaine O'Neill's went right out of high school and they prospered, but right. there was a downside to that too. So there's no utopia with 24 guys, you know, OTE is great for the people that it will be service serviceable for. It's not for everybody. Right. And you have to have a high level of talent, you know, and, and that talent has to be nurtured, not just physically, but mentally and emotionally to get you ready for what, you know, we all know what the business of basketball can be and the downside of that. So this gives, you know, these select few uh, young men the opportunity to enter a world of professionalism, same way a tennis player would, same way a golfer would, same way, you know, a, a swimmer and some, some other sports do right now. We're, we're providing that opportunity uh, if they so choose. And, and they do it for different reasons. You know, if you want to call a spade a spade because all these guys are getting paid, some do it financially. Right. You know, some do it because they want to learn and grow in the game. Some do it because they just don't like college or don't like the, the, the idea of going to college for four years or whatever that may be. So you have to be selective. We've got uh, six or seven international players on our team. Mm-hmm. They understand a little bit more because, you know, college doesn't mean as much when you're a high level player in Europe or, or uh, in, in Asia as it does here in the United States. So, it, you know, it's almost I hate to say it was case by case. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think what was happened is people realize that this is a really good option, but we live in a society where people are very reluctant to change. Mm-hmm. So when you don't know what you don't know, the first thing you do, you put your guard up and you're like, well, that can't be so good. I, I don't like it because it's different and we, right. uh, we can complain all we want. You know, different is sometimes worse than than the the rigors of going through the, the challenges that we live in every day and the system of basketball that we currently are in. And so uh, if, if uh, you know, five years from now, I hope that people see it with a whole lot different uh, eye than they do right now because of the success of some of the kids that will come through here. Right.
0: And is there is there a diff like what what distinguishes it from the G League, from the NBA G League?
2: Yeah, that's a great question. So, so age mostly. Okay. Um, so again, we, we we're trying to get them younger at you know rising juniors, as I mentioned, and rising seniors, and there's still kind of that gap year. So we can have a kid, let's say, who is going to graduate from high school next uh, spring, and is a, a 2022 graduate, but his draft class isn't until 2023. You know, that they they, they they can leave OTE and go to the G League. Um, or to or go to Europe or stay here for another year, so they have that option uh, if they so choose to go any one of those avenues. Uh, but our concentration is is on younger guys and giving them a, you know at least a two year experience here, so we can grow over you know six hundred and fifty or so days. Uh, and all the aspects that I mentioned, you know, not just on the court, you know, body changing, learn about nutrition, understand the maturity process at a younger age than if you were uh, in, in the other kind of system that we've got going on now. Nice. I
0: like the comparison to tennis and other sports where you where these type of things do exist um, because you just like you said, people aren't used to change and and. You know, as basketball fans and people who work in the game, you're just so used to it being one way, but you never really question why. You know the difference between some sports and others in terms of how they deal with you know younger kids.
2: Yeah, and no, I zero I, I went on uh, specifically our people. You know, in mm-hmm. college, I know you. 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 This resonates with you in that right. restrictions are mostly in football and basketball, which we are the major participants of. So we can say that's a coincidence or we can say that's a planned event. You know, right. we could debate that all day. But I, I, I like to think that this gives opportunity for young kids uh, that look like us a, a different route than they've ever had. And it, it doesn't mean it's the best route. It doesn't mean it's the best route for everybody. It means it's another option than what they've had in the past. Right. And then in Europe, they have the you know, this has been going on for years because they've had the
1: academy school books. Where you know the the phenoms out there have been going and, and raised in those academy schools, and um, so this is kind of that type of sim- similar type of environment for the kids. And the fact that they put a lot of investment into it means it's going to be probably be high quality. If you would, I know you wouldn't be there if it wasn't high quality. I know my <laughs> man Kevin Alley wouldn't either.
2: <laughs> yeah, you know, and I think that goes for both of us and everybody here. I don't think the people that have signed up are not doing this because they needed a job or they needed, right, right. they're doing it because they can see, everybody can see the same thing, that there's right. a tremendous amount of, of potential and future in this in this endeavor. And like you said, you know, Luka Doncic was playing professional basketball at 14 years old. Absolutely. Uh, and right. so, you know, when you're identified as having that level of talent, I don't care if you play the piano or play yeah. basketball, you know, you have an opportunity to to nurture that. And you should have an opportunity to nurture that as a professional at whatever age. And I think what what we're trying to do in this environment is provide that, but also, you know, create a foundation where they can be educated in case, you know, this doesn't work out the way that everybody plans for it to. You know, you get paid, these young men are getting paid a lot of money, uh, a minimum of $100,000 to a maximum of $500,000 per year. Uh, So you've got to be able to manage that. Uh, And then you got to understand futuristically, you know, how and where this is going to take you. You know, the the best of what basketball is going to do is probably take you, you know, to 35, 38 years old. And then we got to worry about the next 50 years. And so hopefully while you're here, we can start to to talk to not just this young man, but his family about. That process and right. you, know, uh, we, you you know if, if somebody gave a 16 year old a hundred thousand dollars you'd think that you know it's set for life we know right. that, that it's for a lot of people that may not last a year and right. so just having to understand you know the world and how it works not just financially but the nuances and the wherewithal of how you 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 move through people and situations and and still be able to succeed because somebody's given you you know the tools that you need to succeed absolutely
0: right and, just, and to piggy bank off uh what Khalid said i mean you know someone like you uh you know being a part of it i think you know makes makes people like me feel feel better about that situation you know knowing that you know you have people that who really care about the kids um beyond basketball
1: i think that's that's very, very important. And shout out to Kevin, Coach Ali too, man.
2: Yeah, Nobody yeah.
1: made me feel more hospitable as a scout than, than, than <laughs> Coach Ali on the East Coast. Yeah. He know. rolled out the red carpet for me in UConn, man. I love oh, there that. There you brother. go, there you go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he,
2: uh, he He and I are kindred spirits. You know, we, 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 we think about the same about young people and about the yeah. world society, we're spiritually based. And so it's a very, very easy relationship. We're 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 givers uh, by nature, and you know, so it, it it's really good. And so following his lead for me is very very easy, uh, and and I'm here because one I believe in him and always have, and two over time is a platform that you can really, you know, sink your teeth into, wrap your arms around, and and produce something really really good. So at this stage in my life, I'm the, I'm about the oldest person here. <laughs> uh, so, so sometimes, uh, you know, and I, and again, I think for me, it's great because everybody's keeping me young, you know, I right. get around the gym and, and, and do some things that, uh, and speak the language of the youth. Uh, so it's good. Gr- it's great for me from that perspective, but I, I get to do what I, what I love to do, which is to teach young people about life and use right. basketball as a tool to do that.
1: Right. Right.
0: So, uh, what, what do you think about the, you know, piggy, kind of piggybacking off what you're doing now and what you've done in the past, what, what do you think about the state of the game and, you know, for, for young kids at the moment, we already yeah, talked yeah. about how early they start and that kind of thing, but now, you know, they have options now, I mean, you've dealt with recruiting and oh, I mean, right. so you've seen every angle. What do you, how do you feel about the, the current state of things for, for, you know, those high school age kids coming into, you know, playing, playing big time basketball?
2: Can we change this to a 24-hour podcast? <laughs> we're, almost, we're, almost, <laughs> we're, we're almost done, I promise. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, you know what? Um, you know, life is ever-changing, um, and, and basketball, college basketball is ever-changing. You know, the NCAA and it's, that entity has tried as best they can to keep it the same and, and, and maintain control, not just control of the student-athletes, but maintain control of the maneuverability and ultimately the dollars. That that come with with uh, the, the revenue that college basketball produces, um, but as we have seen, you know, most recently, and you know, I was just on a summit uh, a couple of days ago with, with Gary Charles, the the, the Godfather of grassroots basketball. As he called my him.
1: guy, my guy. <laughs> um,
2: so, uh, name, image, and likeness is the is the buzz phrase now, which all only means that uh, the Ed O'Bannon case from some years ago created an avenue. Uh, where it's not, you know, the, the the labor or the laborers, which is the student athletes, you know, uh, that produce billions of dollars, now have opportunity to to get a piece of the pie. Right. And so I think that's the biggest change right now, and I think it's it's good. There's some pitfalls to it, quite obviously, but. Well, this ever changing, it's like driving on the highway and trying to get off on an exit and you're in the left lane and you got to get off in a half a mile on that right hand exit. You know, you've got to navigate that pretty good. And I think that's where college basketball is right now. It's got to navigate itself through some tricky waters because it's changing quickly. Uh, People are all around the game and realize that there's so much money to be made and has been made. Uh, So we went from well are we doing it illegally you know and paying some of these kids on the side to get them to go to school X Y or z to now we can pay them you know uh, above board and and uh, schools are creating avenues for kids to do that which I think is you know long overdue but at the same point in time you got to control in a way where that kid doesn't get drunk by the money and forget about the reason why he's in college or she's in college. And and end up, you know, as we talked about a few minutes ago, you're 23, 25, 27. The money's gone, and here you are without a whole lot left to to your future. So college basketball is always going to be here. It, it main, you know, because of the interest, it maintains its health. I'm going to tune in. You're going to tune in and watch on a Tuesday night or a Saturday and college game day and all those kind of things. Uh, but the the experience for the young person is changing and will continue to change all the way down to your level you know especially with, with bridge basketball when you're getting them at bitty age you know right. that's changing too because right. yeah. they see it differently their parents see it differently and so they're going to have to be brought about through this through this uh basketball journey a little bit differently as well absolutely um,
0: especially now with- now people know they can get contracts in high school. You know, watch out, colleagues it's, it's over now. It's over now. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I guess before before I let you go, I wanted to ask you, you know, again, as a as a coach for so Song mentioned the the stat at Virginia. You were the first uh African you know, person of African descent to coach any varsity sport uh at Virginia, which was, you know, it's just wild that it wasn't that long ago. Mm-hmm. Um this year we had a lot of black coaches were hired uh mm-hmm. this this past cycle i'm mm-hmm. wondering just want to get your opinion on you know do you think the tide is really turning uh are you optimistic about it is this was this a could this have been a one-time thing because of george floyd what, what, what is your thinking
2: you know any anytime there's significant change like that usually in the in a hiring cycle you're in the teens you know the the black hispanic Coaches of color get hired and, you know, there might be 35, 40 openings and maybe 15, 18 are, percent are people of color uh, in men's and women's basketball this year was over 50, over 50 percent. As you mentioned, Jamal. Um, yes, it had a lot to do with the George Floyd murder because people looked at themselves in the mirror and had to say, you know what, I've got to do something different. OK, mm-hmm. like everything else. And, and hiring is in the same way. We as people of color, people as responsible Uh, Black men and women have to do our part to keep our foot on the gas pedal so that George Floyd murder uh, stays in the forefront of everybody's thought process because there's going to be another murder, there's going to be another injustice, and it's not going away anytime soon. Uh, And so we've got to understand that this has been a great opportunity, not just for change in this cycle, but as you mentioned, hopefully change for the good for over, over the long haul. And and you all both familiar with, with Gary's work, he and I and the rest of the people at, at ABIS. And so that's our that's our challenge. That's our that's our intent. And and you know we were successful in creating a watch list because that was one of the excuses. Well I do not know the most qualified black assistants or coaches, head coaches at a lower level that I can hide, uh, hire, especially at the power, the power conference level. And so now we're going to take that excuse off the table. We're going to give you some quality names and those quality names got jobs. And so, you know, we want to keep doing that and push, keep pushing the envelope and knocking on the door of change to make sure that this year was not an anomaly, that it can happen over and over and over again at whatever percentage, but not the percentages that we're used to. Right, right. And right. not just for coaches, for administrators and, you know, in NBA front offices and, and football and every other sport that needs to continue to have the kind of change and look the way that uh, represents not just its players, but its society. Absolutely.
0: Right. So hopefully that, that is what happens. Um, like you said, 50 over 50% of the new hires uh, in college, in men's college basketball were black this year. Also on the women's side, it was pretty, it was a pretty high percentage also.
2: Yeah, 0, um, 50% there as well.
0: Yes. Mm-hmm. So coach, we really appreciate it. Uh, thank you for joining us, uh, you know, dropping many jewels on us. Uh, coach Dave Lato, like I said, was coach at Northeastern DePaul in Virginia. Um, and now over, you know, taking on a, a new role over at Overtime Elite. Uh, we wish you good luck there. And it, you know, it sounds very exciting, really. Yeah.
2: So, I appreciate it really, really, very much. And you know, anything you want me on again or whatever I can do, man. You, you, you guys. I'm New York has my heart always has. Uh, Jamal just getting to know you is good. Cali, you know, he's my man. I, I, think you know. Every time I see him, I look through his shirt and into his heart, and it's pure. Yeah, yeah. So. I okay. appreciate that. I, uh, I, I, I that, that means that that you know, anything I can ever do, however I can do it on on whatever end, I'm, I'm here for for either one of you guys or anybody else. So I appreciate y'all having me on. Thank you, coach.
0: Thank you, coach. Really appreciate it. Okay.
2: Thank you guys.
0: All right. Great stuff. Once again, uh, coach Dave Lato, great college career and I moves into a, to another area over time elite where, you know, you paying high school kids kind of like what the, what the G league is doing. It, you know, it's a new time, new era, uh, more options for kids. You know, I've talked, you know, there are people on kind of both sides of it, whether it's good or bad. Um, but like I said, with when, with a guy like uh, Coach Leto involved, it, it, it makes me kind of kind of hard-pressed to say it's a bad thing. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? If he's yeah, like, yeah.
1: Coach Coach Leto, he, he has his own brand. and He validates, you know, over time to me. You know, man. if I know he's involved, then I know it's legit. If I know Kevin Alley is involved, I know it's legit. Those are two good brothers that – have always been respectable in my eyes and I know what they're about, you know, so that's, that's important. So those young, young men are in great hands with, with the, with the young G over there and the old triple OG, my man, (laughs) coach (laughs) later.
0: Right, right, right. So, yeah, I mean, so we we need to watch that closely, see what's going on over there. Like I said, they signed some big time talent already, you know, uh, I've seen five stars from, from, uh, from you know both the twenty the twenty one class the twenty two class uh, signed on overtime elite is that is that where uh, our guy Scoot is
1: no Scoot is going to be playing in ignite he's the G League he's the in, yeah he's in, in G, G League, League. Okay. Yep. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. he
0: left he left a year early from high school also so G, League's, G League's doing
1: that too yeah that's the new wave I guess that's the that's the, the, that's
0: the, that's the competition right there the G, G League right. and the overtime elite they probably have to you know go at it so yep. it yeah it should be but.
1: But more options, you know, kids got options now. Yeah, more options. And, you know, it, it just adds a level of flexibility for our youth, uh, especially our young black and brown youth out here that, mm-hmm. you know, some of them are not going to be uh, great students, but they could be great student in, in the classroom. But this gives them the option to be students of life because so it seems like they're teaching a lot more than, you know, what you learn in the traditional classroom in a high school setting. Right. Um, you know, he mentioned nutrition. He mentioned uh, you know, ac- academia, he mentioned financial literacy. Those are things that elite athletes need to be learning.
0: Right. And, you know, you got to be a pro. I mean, if you're ready, you're ready. Some people are, are ready. That's right. Mean, you mentioned Doncic. You know, obviously, he that's a, that's a dude who was ready, you know, at was, 14, 15, whatever.
1: Ricky Rubio. Ricky right, Rubio, right. you know, he was ready. Um, you know, there's a, there's a lot that have come from overseas and, you know, they were being nurtured. The same way these young men are being nurtured. So right. yeah, I don't see anything uh negative about it at all.
0: Right. We see it in tennis all the time. Mm-hmm. They're 15, 16 years old and, and it's real. It's, they're professionals. So, yeah. Um, you know, they have kind of limited us in the sports that we dominate in basketball and football. Right. Um, but other sports, it seems to be okay, but that's changing. So yeah. Yeah. Should be interesting to watch. We'll keep an eye on all that. Thanks again to coach Dave Lato for gracing us with his presence. Thanks to the listeners, as always, for listening. Keep listening to us on, you know, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, follow us on social media, at UpNextPod on Instagram, at UpNext underscore pod on Twitter. Uh, follow us on YouTube to get the video version of what we're doing. And we'll be back next week with some more great content.
1: Peace, everyone.
0: 33 like birdie, Time to put on for your city when they never Heard of you, ball player Ain't no watching from the side uh. Picking up them pieces, ain't no limits in the sky uh. Said you got up next, well, gon' go show show 'em why uh. One, two, that's a three Now take your shot, ball player Bishop Lachlan, purple and gold, that's a flex uh. Collie green, got me a scully for he left uh. Joke cash, something like dollars on the check uh. They had then, I got now Now guess who next?